everyone, Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And today I am super excited to kick off our fourth season of Let's Innovate. This season is special because it has been a passion project since 2020, but it's also special because I get to do it in my new role as Community Engagement Manager with the Science Fair Foundation of BC. So as we gear up towards Science Fair season in the spring of 2024, September of 2023, when this episode comes out, is Youth Innovation Showcase time. Registration is now open until September 24th, 2023. Go to our website, sciencefairs.ca, for all of the info. Okay, so we're season four of Let's Innovate. We're going to be talking with a variety of people that have participated in or are going to participate or inspire science fairs and to find out where their passions lie. And in this episode, I had an amazing conversation with not only the professor of biochemistry and molecular biology at the University of British Columbia, but also the chief judge of the Greater Vancouver Regional Science Fair. And that is Leonard Foster. Enjoy. So you are the chief judge of the Greater Vancouver Regional Science Fair. Let's get into that. How did you get into this? Of course, you have a a long career, um, your work at UBC, biology is the place that, uh, that you live in, but science fair is generally dealing with, you know, kids of, you know, secondary level age, maybe even elementary school age. What brings you there? Is this something that you used to do when you were a kid? Is this a, a tradition or, uh, what was the pathway that found yourself supporting science fair? Yeah, it, it's very much, uh, a tradition, I guess. My parents are, were both teachers. My dad in particular was a science teacher, uh, grades 11 and 12. And uh, I grew up in a small town. Uh, so I ended up having both my parents as teachers. Early on in my school career, when I was in grade four, actually, my parents got involved in organizing a science fair at the, our school. The science fair structure within the country, um, as you probably know, is arranged, uh, organized at a school, then district, then regional, then national level. I kind of got drawn into that very first science fair in grade four because my parents were involved in organizing the local one. At that time, the regional fairs also welcomed uh, students as young as grade four. So I went to Prince George uh, for the regional fair that year kind of got hooked. Uh, my memories are still a little bit fuzzy of that time, but uh, I ended up doing science fair uh, or participating in a science fair from grades four through 12. And uh, when I got into grade seven, where I was eligible to go to the Canada-wide science fair, uh, I managed to make it to the Canada-wide science fair and then managed to get back to the Canada-wide science fair every year up until grade 12 not really having a lot of great of success until grades 11 and 12. Nonetheless, the participation in the national science fairs and the, the travel to another city in the country for a week every May was quite eye-opening for me. And then through my uh, university schooling and mm -hmm. back to uh, British Columbia as a professor here at UBC, uh, I was looking for a way to give back to that because not only did the science fairs really teach me about what it's like to do experimental science, but then they mm. ultimately in the grades 11 and 12, I also got linked up with some other professors at Simon Fraser University. And then that 
led to some specific uh, summer jobs that I had during my undergrad work at, at SFU. So when I got back to UBC, I was really looking for uh, some way to, or sorry, when I got back to UBC, I was looking for some way to give back to that community. So uh, I knew a few of the people on the, the organizing committee for the Greater Vancouver Science Fair, reached out to them and been involved in some way or another with the Greater Vancouver Fair since 2006. Uh, and I've been chief judge for probably 14, 15 years. It does go back for well over 30 years for me. Yeah, wonderful. So there's a couple of things that I, I heard you say there that science fair helped you explore experimental science, or at least sort of like the experimental nature of of science. Um, do you think that that ha- laid some uh, groundwork for you, you know, in your career, you know, now moving on as a uh, as a professor of molecular biology and biochemistry? Yeah, absolutely. It did. I, I mentioned the link with uh, these professors at SFU that I basically asked to help uh, or give some advice on the on the projects I was doing in my last few years of science fairs that led to that experience, I guess, of, of uh, sort of understanding what experimental science was all about at relatively early age made me, I, I guess, competitive for uh, summer jobs in their in their research groups. And uh, that just further developed my um, passion for for experimenting and uh, and doing science. I can trace my passion for the current job that I have, which uh, is really not a job at all. It, it's a it's a pastime that I am fortunate enough to be paid for because. Uh, but I it's a pastime because I love it so much, and and that's really. The, the, the origins are directly traceable to the, those early years of science fair involvement. Yeah. So when you came back to the science fair world after going on, you know, uh, to lots of schooling, what were some of the things that you noticed um, in that gap from when you were a participant and now coming back as a supporter and a judge, where there's some new perspectives that you saw about the process of kids um, currently in the science fairs? The thing that strikes me every year that is different is how far science fairs have come in terms of the ethical considerations around doing science. When I was doing science fairs myself, uh, I didn't mm. actually ever do work on on mammals and certainly not on vertebrates. Um, but now, uh, in order to do any experiments on mice or any other vertebrate, you need to go through, uh, at the science fair level, you need to go through the same ethics approval process that we need to go through at universities. So the science fair movement is really caught up with the social conscience that exists in the broader society around research and recognizing that research sometimes necessarily involves animals, but we need to better take into consideration the the impact that that uh, research has on the animals and do everything we can to mitigate the pain and other suffering that animals might go through. At the same time, what what directly was relevant to uh, the the science fair projects that I used to do, um, some of them involve some pathogenic bacteria that uh, if I were to do those same experiments now, I probably wouldn't be allowed to do them, or if I was it would be under very, very different and much more controlled 
environment. <laughs> so uh, just from the practical perspective of students getting into and trying to explore any questions that they might have, there's a lot more process involved for certain things. That also extends to more social science uh, or behavioral, human behavior type of experiment. Right. Yeah. So it certainly seems that science fair at its heart is really giving students a practical way to be a scientist and to learn the modern way of doing science, because this is exactly what any scientist would be doing, right? Yeah, very, very much. Another thing, sort of the corollary to your question that I came to realize once I got into more academic science was that the science fair process, that is um, doing an experiment, uh, making some visual display, uh, having that in front of a bunch of people and answering questions and presenting the work you've done is is completely identical to the way academic science works and has worked for a long time as well, where the students in my group, they're doing their experiments, they go to a conference, they present their work in the same kind of format. And uh, when I, I remember when I was doing science fairs, it was never obvious to me that w the way I was going about it was in any way relevant to the real life of a scientist, but actually it is exactly the same as the real life of a scientist. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. So, you know, I want to get into your perspective, you know, for anyone that might be listening to this that's involved in science fairs, you know, obviously hearing from the chief judge, you know, be valuable information. So what would you say are some of the things that you see are qualities of a good science fair project? And, and then I'll, a follow-up question to that would be, what are some of the pitfalls of, say, like a really good idea, but is not good enough to like say like go to the finals or like take it on to like the next level this is something that is constantly evolving and there we don't have a perfectly defined formula for but some of those characteristics include the motivate just what the motivation is behind it uh what the science fair movement looks for is the curiosity in the student themselves or students if it's a pair and rather than some adult somewhere telling them, hey, you should look at this and then, and then completely directing them, that is not to say that adults shouldn't be involved. They, they, they need to be because we're, we as humans are not innately born with the ability to uh, conduct a, a science experiment following the scientific process. But so there needs to be that level of mentorship. And sometimes that mentorship can be quite involved if if there, if there are methods that are not obvious to, to someone at a high school age. But fundamentally, there needs to be that innate curiosity. Then other simple things that really reflect the scientific process, so replication, for example, especially biological experiments, but even anything where you're making measurements, uh, you need to replicate. If you're like designing a robot, for example, you don't necessarily need to design the robot three different times, but you do need to test the robot for whatever it's supposed to do. And, and you need to test that multiple times. And that is often skipped in experiments. And then with replication comes statistics. So applying statistics to evaluate the results. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is something that scales the expectations scale very much with the the age level. So junior projects, grade seven and eight, really 
uh, if they've got statistics, even if they've got averages, it's great. And standard deviations up to grades 11 and 12, there's expected to be more like some kind of t-test or other basic statistical test to determine whether something's significantly different or not. Then an awareness of the other research that has been done around that topic area is often something that sets projects apart. Science is never done in a vacuum, and uh, those projects that are aware of what else has been done and the context that their findings might have in the broader society or broader field of science uh, sets them apart from those who have an idea, maybe test it very well, mm. but don't really even appreciate that someone else already did that and, and found this. And and that's how my findings relate to their findings. Excellent. Um, just before we end off, uh, Leonard, you know, I, I, um, I love these this, these perspectives of what you're seeing in the science fair, and of course, you are bringing your own biases. Um, you know, being someone that lives in the biology world and the biochemistry, so I can't end off this conversation without hearing a little bit of your your work and some of the, your own passions around that. And I know that you are known for your research um, around honeybees. We could spend a whole podcast just talking about bees, but very quickly, what is some of that research that you're doing with bees? And I know that a lot of people are worrying about the the uh, the future of bees, but what is the the current state of uh, honeybee yep. honeybee research? So, so actually, in the context of this conversation, it is um, also relevant. I think so. My interests in honeybee health right now, as a professor at UBC, are directly linked to my science fair experience in grades eight through 12, I believe. So my parents, among the other things they did, uh, were beekeepers. And my mom told me at, or I I remember my mom telling me at at some point when I was growing up that a particular hive product, which is called propolis, which is basically bees make from resin that they collect from trees, is used to insulate the inside of the hive and seal off uh, sort of air holes. Um, But they also, bees we've come to realize this since, but bees seem to collect that propolis in order to self-medicate. So if they have a, if they have a bacterial infection, it leads them to go out and collect more of this. And then the story my mom told was that first nations people Mm. in Canada used to make sort of a tea out of this to uh, take to soothe a sore throat. So like a bacterial infection of the throat, like strep throat or something like that. And so that led to a bunch of science fair projects where I was trying to identify antibacterial and antifungal properties of bees or of this propolis. That then led into my um, connections with these professors at SFU that I mentioned earlier that I work with because they were also studying bees and I I, um, was able to get a lot of useful information from them. And then I went away from bees for my... um, my graduate and postgraduate training. But then when I came back to UBC, I was uh, trying to find something unique that I could pursue that would set me apart from from others. And I had this background in bee research and so started on that. And that was just before bees started dying at, a, at very high, unprecedented rates. And then all of a sudden, the bee research field exploded. Interesting. So, you know, I wonder if this bee research 
that you did when you were essentially in, in high school, I, I assume all of this was happening. Would you have gone down that path if you weren't involved in science fairs? Science fairs maybe allowed you to kind of like delve into this interest that you had, which is sounds like that's the heart of what science fair can do uh, for someone uh, is that they pull on that curiosity thread. For me, it was the, the links between my involvement in science fair and the eventual career I ended up in are uh, maybe more direct than than many others. W- what I do for a living is uh, science fairs professionally, basically. Um, and, and for others, it's not quite uh, that direct, but uh, the, uh, there's still many, many connections. But yeah, for me, it was very much those early science fair e- experiences that led me down the path that uh, I eventually took. Wonderful. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you so much, uh, Leonard, for coming on um, the show today. All right. Thanks very much, Michael. Enjoyed talking with you. Awesome. So we were just speaking with Leonard Foster, uh, Professor of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology at University of British Columbia and the Chief Judge at the Greater Vancouver Regional Science Fair. All right. If you want to get involved in science fairs, if you want to volunteer with us, you can go to our website and find out all the things that we're up to, sciencefairs.ca. You can also email us, info at sciencefairs.ca. And until next time, let's innovate.